feel like I'm looking at a whole new group of people here. Uh, appreciate some of you wearing masks so that I can recognize you. Uh, the rest, please introduce yourself to me. Um, you know, I just love, I just love coming together and worshiping as a church. And I look at worship uh, as not just what we do as we sing, but what we do when we gather together here. And as we fellowship around the Word, as we fellowship in prayer, as, as we, uh, we're going to have a baby dedication again. Um, it's, it, uh, this one here is actually one of the newer ones that has been born. And I love, uh, I love taking that opportunity to uh, just to speak into the life of, of a little one and into the family. So let me just tell you real quick before I bring up the family, um, what, is, what are we doing with a baby, baby dedication? Uh, for here, for baby dedication, it's more about the parents dedicating themselves to raising that child in the way of the Lord. And it's more about us dedicating ourselves to that family and that child of helping that child uh, know Jesus and walk with Jesus. And it's not about that child uh, being saved. We're not dedicating the child so that child's gonna, going to be saved. That's something that each one of us will do on our own. And we'll take that opportunity when it comes to us. And many of us here have done that. And that's what we pray for uh, with each of our children, that they will grow and mature and they come to that place where they're saying, yes, Jesus is mine. I know him. I love him. And I want, him, I want to walk with him. I want to be a disciple of Jesus for the rest of my life. And so that's, what, that's why we do a baby dedication. So I'm going to call up the Nielsens uh, for them to come. And uh, <clears throat> we get the whole family. So with Andrew and Katrina, with Everett, is that right? Emmett, oh, I thought it. And then with Lila. So uh, she, isn't she cute? Let's put a picture up here of her. Um, there, now that's not a stock picture. That is, that is her right there. She is one good looking girl right there. Uh, one of the things that I like to do when I do a baby dedication is I, I start to scour up and I, I, I find the meaning of the name. And I don't know if you did that when you were picking her name. It was just like, we like Lila. And, uh, and, and so as I looked at it, I came to this. I had a couple of options, and I chose Island. Now, it kind of seems maybe a little odd to choose Island. But I thought about it that to stand firm. An island is, well, we're on an island. And here we are. We're, there, we're on this rock, and we stand firm. And, and, and it, it's kind of this identity that maybe in, in the mainland we get kind of all squished together. But here, Vancouver Island, we are an island, and we stand firm. And so I picked this verse, uh, Joshua 24, 15, and it's the last part, and Joshua is saying this. He's, he's looking around, and he's saying, I don't know about all you, but I know about me and my house, and that as for me and my family, we are going to serve the Lord. So, was she, uh, she's asleep. I didn't warm my hands up, but isn't she just a lovely girl? And I would like to say to you, Lila, that as you grow and you mature, that you become a woman of God, that Lila, for you, what happens in your life is that you stand so firm for God that you, that everyone will know that you love God and you walk with God. That, Lila, you would be one who would change, you would change Vancouver Island because of your love and commitment to God. 
that people will know that for you and your home, that you will serve the Lord. So before I pray for her, there's a, there's a couple of areas of commitment for you as a family. And so we'll throw that up there on the screen. And um, so by coming forward today before God and his people, do you declare your desire to dedicate yourselves to raising Lila in the ways of the Lord? And do you, as parents, commit by God's help in partnership with the church to revive Lila in a, to a Christian home <laughs> uh, of love and peace to raise her in the truth of the Lord's instruction and, and discipline and to encourage her to one day trust Christ as her Savior and Lord. And church, uh, this is for us. Do we as a church body commit to support Lila and encourage her to walk in the abundant life of Christ offers as, <laughs> as God has no, so gifted us to do? Do we commit to be faithful in our calling as members of the body of Christ to help parents, these parents, to be faithful to God and to help teach and train Lila in the ways of the Lord so that she might one day trust him as her Savior and Lord? Do we? We do. Let me pray for you and for her. Lord, I thank you for, uh, for the Nielsens. I thank you for their love for you. And Lord, as they have this bundle of joy, as they adjust to two children in their home, and what does that mean for parenting? That, Father, uh, you will give them all they need. They will, they will find wisdom in you uh, to parent. And we pray for Lila. Father, that she truly will be this island, this one who represents you, that she stands firm in you and you alone. And, and that, Lord, all will know that she is your child and she follows you and seeks you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That is awesome. So, as Jesse couldn't be here this morning to send the children off, it is my great privilege. And I don't know if you know Jesse, but if you do just a little bit, you know she's a bit of a prankster. And I think she thought to herself, wouldn't it be hilarious if we asked the guy who has memory issues to do the memory verse this morning? So, I need your help. Please. Can we get that memory verse slide up there? Uh, so, let's do it all once together like this, and then we'll take some words away. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 3. Okay, it's about to get real. Here we go. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 3. Oh, good job, everybody. Do you want to pray, or should I? I'm going to pray. Let's pray for the kids. Lord, our children are amazing. They are gifts from you. And uh, as we send them off today, Lord, we just ask that, uh, that your Holy Spirit would be teaching them and molding them to be the Christ followers that you desire them to be. I pray that we would have the wisdom and the strength to play the parts that you've asked us to in their lives, Lord. 
And again, we just ask that you would bust their socks off this morning as they head out. Amen. Well, as, as uh, the kids head off and their teachers, uh, this morning I have, um, I have a few things that I just want to want to share uh, with us as a as a church family. Uh, first of all, I want to say I want to say this that we have we've been traveling for two years uh, in the midst of this pandemic, and uh, is as we know it's not been easy, and it's it's been difficult. Uh, at times, but I really feel as a church family that we have done tremendous. We really have. Uh, it has, um, as you know, there's, there's all kinds of thoughts and opinions and ideas, and we have tried to travel in that, trying to, trying to respect the people around us, respect our leadership and our government, and, uh, and I just want to say as a church, well done. It hasn't been easy, um, but we're here. And uh, we're here today. And so as we continue to move forward, uh, it is with that heart and that spirit of, of just respecting the people around us. Um, and we want people to feel comfortable here. So as you can see, some people are wearing masks and some people aren't. And that is, that is uh, that's fine. And that is good. Uh, so I have a few three-ish things that I want to share with you. Uh, and then we'll move into our, our message. And, you know, some people think, well, is this really worship? Well, yeah, it's part of who we are. It's our, it's our family. And uh, as family, we, we share with one another. So here are a few things that I will share with you. And the next slide. Boom. Hey, uh, we've, uh, the, the elders have come up with a survey. I don't know if you saw the email that's out there, but there is an email. You can go on the website. You can find it there. Or if you want to do an analog you want a paper copy because that's just important. That's how you do things. Then you can pick up a copy out there and you can fill it out. And uh, I guess if you get ambitious and you want to do both, I guess you could do both. Um, but uh, uh, we really want to hear from you. And, uh, and so this is your opportunity to, uh, to, to speak up. We have some, some good questions, but also we have an area in there, other. And want you, if we didn't, if we didn't cover something, please uh, put in there uh, other, other part, but we're on, that, we're on that beginning part of searching for a new lead pastor. Uh, secondly, the, the elders on Saturday, we, they sat together, I was with them, and they came, up with, um, they came up with names to begin the search committee, and so they are, uh, they are starting to reach out, and um, <clears throat> some names came to us, some we came up with, and so uh, uh, please begin to pray for those that are going to be part of the search committee and, and hopefully we'll be able to announce who's on the search committee soon. All right, next uh, slide. And that is, we have, as you saw, we have a coffee bar open. And that coffee bar is all about a cool and us raising money to be able to support with Food for Hungry in Guatemala. And so there are sponsorships back there that you could sponsor a kid. We have coffee back there. Um, you can buy coffee beans, or you can buy a coffee. All of that we have, and that goes back to Akul. So, so please uh, take a look at that, and we want to promote that. And, uh, and, and Jason, who just actually walked out, he's the one who roasts our beans, and we get our, our coffee from Akul as well. And so that's what that's all about, and we just encourage you to, uh, to, to engage with that. So I think 
Oh, there. See, there's the coffee. Super. I think I've got all my three-ish things uh, done. So uh, as we move into where I want to go this morning, one of the things that is on my heart is, uh, is the next, next generation. And uh, I am passionate about seeing the next generation uh, take over from, from a guy like me. Um, and, uh, and so I've, I've asked someone who has way more hair than I do and is way better looking than I am uh, to come and to help me out with the message today. And so I'm going to invite uh, John to come up. Uh, and he is one of our uh, young adults and part of our, our, our team for the young adults. And so I've invited him to come and to share this message with me. Um, I'm also passionate about communion. And uh, I, when I was a kid growing up, communion oftentimes was tagged on. There was a message and it was tagged on to the end. And, um, and I just find that communion is probably one of the most important things that we do as a church. I better not say too much, right? And, <laughs> and so uh, I like to highlight it. I like it to be what we do today. It's our focus because we, we do it corporately only once a month. You can do it individually every week, but corporately we do it once a month. So it is a great opportunity for us to engage and to look at it. And so I gave John this assignment. I gave him the easy assignment. I said, John, talk about the bread and, and, and the cup. And uh, so John says, yeah, all right. And then he stayed up till midnight, like every night. Lots. Lots. So John, uh, share with us. Bring us into that place. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Um, yeah, as we've been in dialogue talking about sort of what I might share today and, and sort of what communion means, I've been forced to sort of reflect over my own experiences and my own history with communion. And I've kind of come to the realization that although I've always found communion to be really, really important, it hasn't really grabbed me in the same way as maybe some of the other things we do as Christians. I can think of um, times throughout my life different sermons or worship, uh, worship times or prayers that have been prayed that really stick with me where I've really been spiritually engaged with God. But communion, I don't have those necessarily those same memories. And in asking that question of myself, God sort of interrupted me and stopped me in the way that I think about communion and throughout this past week of exploring has been showing me some things that have really gotten me excited and really renewed my sense of the the meaning and the importance of this act that we do together. And so um, my hope today is to share some of those things that um, have really grabbed me with um, the idea that hopefully they can renew your sense of what communion is all about as well. So starting with the body. Um, the first time Jesus breaks bread, it takes place during the Jewish season of Passover and during the Passover meal. And this... Um, this um, Bringing together of the Passover and the Last Supper shows up in a lot of different ways, but one that really stuck out to me that was really interesting was specifically related to the bread, and that is um, called the afikomen. Now, in the Passover tradition, at the start of the meal, there's a piece of bread that is broken off and set aside, and uh, over the years, it's become a kind of a fun thing where the parents hide it and the kids will go look for it, um, so it's quite a fun and celebratory part of the meal. But at the same time, this piece of bread actually carries a lot of significance and a lot of meaning for the Jewish tradition. This piece of bread that's set aside, sort of to come, that's anticipated, is a symbol of the Messiah, the one who is to come, 
And afikomen actually is translated to he who comes. And so Jesus, in the Last Supper, as they're at the end of the meal and he takes this bread, he is signaling himself and connecting himself with it. And in doing that, he's describing himself as the Messiah. And actually by, part by partaking, the disciples are affirming that identity. And I think for us today, as we partake in the bread, that's been on my mind a lot, is that idea that the, the anticipated the Messiah, the Savior, that is coming and has come for us, that by taking in the bread, we acknowledge that identity and we enjoy that identity that Christ has for us. But we don't just do that personally, right? We do communion together. And I think one of the ways I'd like to highlight that um, is through a couple of passages in Matthew. So I'm going to flip there and read them. If you'd like to follow along, um, the first one's in Matthew 14, and I think the story will be familiar to you. So this is Matthew 14, starting at verse 15. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and the hour is already late. So send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And then he said, Bring them here to me. And ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. Uh, and then again, just a little bit later in uh, Matthew 15, starting at um, verse 32. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry for they might faint on the way. The disciples said to him, where would we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish, and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, seven large baskets full. And as we turn our attention to the communion, the start of the Last Supper, we actually see the same language used. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. And I think that the first time the Last Supper is initiated, the first time we see the communion, it's just Jesus and 12 people. One loaf is certainly sufficient for that, right? There's not really the same need to do this miraculous work of multiplying these loaves into endless amounts of food. But when I look in this room, I see hundreds of people. And when I think about the source that we're coming from, it's all the same loaf. And that same multiplication is taking place here as well. We see that um, he's blessing the food, breaking it, and even though the number is changing, even though there's more of us than there are today, even though the problems we face are different, we know that that source, that bread, is always enough to nourish us. So that's kind of what was really grabbing me about the bread this week. really appreciate that, John. Uh, I think sometimes when, again, we, we take communion, we we have that little wafer 
And uh, in this case, our little wafer doesn't taste all that good. Uh, <laughs> we have that little wafer, and we can just pop it in our mouth without stopping and just going, wait a minute, you know, what, what, what is this? And it, and it represents, I love that image of, of, of the bread being hidden and children looking for it and uh, anticipating the Messiah to come. And he has come, has he not? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so we have this whole thing of, of we also, in, in some ways, having this bread we are anticipating the Messiah coming. He has come for our salvation, but do we not anticipate him coming again? Yeah. And so it's, we get to do the same thing in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, what's interesting is in the blood as well, we see a lot of this Passover imagery coming back. Um, so I think before I go and actually just take some time to read a bit of the original Passover text from Exodus. So it's in Exodus 12, if you would like to flip along, flip there and, and read along. But I'll be skimming around as well, so um, if you don't, that's okay. Um, it says, Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are, they are each to take one lamb for themselves, according to their father's households a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to this house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb should be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from a sheep or from goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat. And they shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. I'm just going to jump ahead uh, down to um, verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and where I see the blood will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And then this is verse 14 here. It says, Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. So the Passover meal is a really, really significant part of Jewish tradition and the, tra- the tradition that Jesus and the disciples find themselves in. It's this great story of Jesus protect, um, not Jesus, sorry, of God's protection over the Israelite people. And in the celebration of this meal, we actually see the same elements. There's the lamb, that's Christ, his blood in the cup, and the unleavened bread as well. And I think this parallel is really significant because it says that the, the communion is our new covenant. And I think what Jesus is trying to do here, he's taking this rich tradition of the Passover meal and he's sort of recreating it. The elements are all still there, but he also reforms it and makes it new. The blood poured out for us is our salvation, is Jesus' work on the cross. And we, in communion, in the pouring out of the cup and our receiving of it, in the same way that the lamb blood is poured out and used to protect us, 
we receive that blood as well as we taste the cup. It's poured out, but then we receive it as well. I think this has just been really, really renewing for me because I think that sometimes um, it can be hard to connect with Jesus in really, really intimate ways, in really, really real ways. But as I've been thinking about this, I've been anticipating being here this morning and tasting the cup. And my hope for us is that as we taste that cup, we taste it as we did it first when we first found our salvation, that we recreate that experience. And I think that's why the Lord has called us to, to do this often, not as a ritual, not as religion, but in relationship. Because it was in the relationship that he, he gave his body, he shed his blood for us. John, as we were talking, one of the things that you know, came out is, is, is uh, we were t- talking a little bit about how much has changed in church. If you think mm-hmm. about, think about uh, that, that first Passover and what church looked like and then you know, what it looks like today, there's been a lot of change that has happened. Mm-hmm. And what were we talking a little bit? Yeah, the, some of the main things that struck me were we don't even necessarily use the same Bible as they did in those days. We think... Meaning the same translation. Yeah, the same translation okay. or the same texts, right? Like, we don't, we don't necessarily have those same things, and we, don't, we certainly don't speak the same languages. No. And, and that's, that's all changed over time. But communion has sort of been this constant, in fact, probably the only, one of the only constants throughout sort of the entirety of the Christian tradition. It's, yeah, the way we do communion... Um, communion and baptism are the two that have really stood how mm-hmm. we do them. And um, uh, our music has changed, our yeah. clothes have changed, yeah. uh, you know, our hairstyles have changed. Um, even gathering in a building is something that wasn't what they did. Mm-hmm. They gathered in churches, but they broke bread. They, they took the communion, they took the bread, they took the cup, and they did that together. And then, so it is a constant. And so it's kind of neat to think that, you know, we are doing something that for 2,000 years the church has been doing. Mm-hmm. And then be- before that with the Passover. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's neat that we're engaging with Christ and with our fellow brothers and sisters that have gone before us. Yeah. So, John, thank you yeah, for, for sharing and sharing that part. <laughs> uh, and just kind of bring us into a little bit of the of the why, why that we do that. And I'm going to finish this off with who. Uh, Who can do this? Who can be be part of of communion? And um, I I, I like the aspect that this is the the body and this bread and this one loaf. Uh, I've been in churches, and maybe some of you have been in churches where where they actually have one loaf. And I know it's not COVID safe. We're, that's why we're not doing it. But uh, they'll break that loaf and they'll break it into pieces and then they'll send it around the room. And as they send it around the room, everybody's taking from that one loaf. And it's, it's fantastic, a great imagery because that's what we're doing. One body, we're one body. And we're different. And we have different thoughts and different opinions. But we come to communion and it is it is this one thing that we're agreeing on, that Jesus died for us. And he rose from the grave. And we're agreeing on that together. 
Today, I looked around and we sang some wonderful songs, but not all of you sang. And that's okay. And when Christy was praying, maybe you got a little distracted because sometimes I do when people are praying or even when I pray. But we're doing the same thing together. And it has great imagery of the body. And I, and I think as we are coming to where we are with the pandemic, to celebrate communion today is a wonderful thing because it shows that what unites us is not masks or no masks, vaccines or no vaccines. What unites us is Jesus Christ. Good? I heard a few amens. Those are from the people that maybe aren't the Baptists here. I don't know. So who can take it? Real quick. Let's just uh, look at, at Corinthians here, and then we are, um, we're going to move into taking communion. So uh, Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, he, is, he, is, he needs to address an issue that's happening with the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was, uh, was kind of getting out of hand when it came to communion. And so he's trying to draw them back into line. And, and so he says these words. Uh, he says, this is what you need to do when you take communion. And then in verse 27, he says this. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Pretty, pretty strong words, is it not? Really strong words. And, and what's happening is, is that the church, uh, they had divided themselves with those that were uh, socially and economically, they were kind of here, that's how they looked at them, and those that were not uh, quite socially and economically, they were down here, and these people up here were saying, okay, we're going to get together, we're going to have a great feast, and uh, we're going we're gonna to engage in communion, and uh, then these people were coming into the house church later on, and they weren't able to do that, they weren't able to engage. And, and, and Paul is saying, listen, that's not what this is about. Because it is one cup, because it is one body, it's something you do as a body, not separate. There is no higher, lower. It is one. And he's saying to them, you need to examine your heart. Where is it? Where is it? Are you right with God? Are you walking right with God? Are you looking at the people around you and going, yes, that is my brother, that is my sister. And it doesn't matter where they are and the job they have or what they look like. It does not matter. They're my brother, they're my sister, and I'm doing this together because I am no different than them. I needed salvation just as much as they did and just the same way as they did. And we're one body. So the first requirement is, is that we do come to communion and we do hold it sacred and we do say, hey, I want to examine my heart. Am I holding grudges? Am I holding something against someone else? Am I taking this thinking I am better than someone else in this room or outside of this room? And so that's, that's one, examining. The second is, is that we do need to be followers of Jesus. This is something we do as followers of Jesus. If not, we, we're, it's like we're making a mockery of it. 
It's what we do because we believe. Just like baptism is believer's baptism. We, we are baptized as believers. And so communion is about what we believe. And to take this, you are declaring that you believe that Jesus gave his body for you. He gave his blood for you and for us to be one. It's really that simple. And, and it's, it's so great that today if you sit here and you don't know Jesus, it is, it is this simple to say to him, I want to believe. I want to believe. I want to know salvation. It has been given to me. And you cry out to him. Just like if you are a believer and there is something in your life that is not right, you can right now say, Lord, this is not right. I confess my sins. And the Bible tells us he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Communion is something that is so great because it brings us back to what is most important. And it's us and him. And it's us and him. So we're going to partake in communion. And uh, I'm going to ask the musicians to come back up. And I don't know if everybody has. If somebody didn't get a, a little cup, um, if you didn't raise your hand, and we will get something to you. Uh, anyone? Back over there. Good. Over up here in front. All right. Just keep your hands up, and we will get... We will get it to you. So as we do this, uh, <clears throat> there is two little, two little wrappers that we're going to do. Um, this might be the last time that we do this, uh, but there's a little, little upper wrapper, and we're all going to make a sound together and, and open this up. When I, when I come to this place and I hold such a small piece, a small piece of, of what represents bread in my hands, I really want to stop and go, this is huge. It's huge. It's one thing for me to give my life for someone I love. I give my life for my wife. I love her. But it's another thing to give my life for someone that I don't love or someone who wouldn't love me. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus gave his body for us. Before we ever turned to him and said that we loved him, he loved us. Let's partake this morning remembering this bread, this body today. Lord Jesus, you broke that bread. You gave thanks. But as John pointed out, in the feeding of the 4,000, the 5,000, you, you gave thanks. You, you broke the bread. You multiplied the bread. And Lord, today, 
we, the body, are a representation of your multiplication of what you have given, yourself, your sacrifice of you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, on that night that he was betrayed, he took that cup and, and he raised it up and, and he said, this cup is, it represents my blood that I spilled out, that I gave, that I am going to give for you, for us. As a new covenant, a new covenant. So as we partake in this, it is a way of celebrating and thanking the Lord to say, God, you gave your body, you gave your blood for us. Thank you. Let's do that this morning. Lord, it is true that we have life and we have abundant life because of the life that Jesus poured out for us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that as we, as we will be leaving this building, that we will be leaving celebrating, but Lord, that we will be leaving with a commitment to say, I want to give my life for you. Whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes, I want to be a light for you in our community, in the places we live, the places we play, the places we work. For you, Lord, and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, for us as we uh, leave today, two things. We, we take a special offering on this Sunday, Lord's Pantry, just to help those that are in need in our church, in our community. So if God leads you to, to give towards that, you can do that in the basket or you can do that online, however he may lead. We want to celebrate today, uh, you know, we've gone a long time uh, with, uh, with COVID. And so the, the elders have cake out there and want to serve cake and coffee bar is going to be open. So please engage with that. And I want to leave you with this. Uh, this is a prayer that is given on uh, Lectio 365, Pete Gregg. And I want to leave us with, with this this morning as we go. May this day bring Sabbath rest to, to your heart and your home. May God's image in you be restored. May imagination in God be re, re, restored. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the reality of your time Relativity of your time, slow down. May you know grace to embrace your own infinite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. And may God's word feed you, his spirit lead you this week and into the life to come. Blessings to you all.